This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher, Sean Callahan. Hello here and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sickle, Robin Washington, back with you back on all our affiliates it's football season please be back on our, our main flagship at omaha 1110 kfab radio along within fremont carney um and lincoln here on 93.7 the ticket uh but guys fall camp in the full swing of things and uh we got right into it i mean we got back from big 10 media days on friday uh we discussed the bob wager resignation friday night when we got home off the plane sunday the team reported monday we're at practice, and immediately on Sunday, everybody noticed that Miles Farmer was not there for Nebraska. He was absent, and there was grumblings about kind of what happened with him. Well, Matt Rule confirms Monday that Miles Farmer was not on the 120, was indefinitely suspended. Well, on Wednesday, Miles Farmer officially entered the transfer portal. Guys, not a surprise in my book in the sense that where it was at. I, I didn't really see a happy ending with the, all this. And it just didn't seem like the Anthony Grant spring suspension. Oh, yeah. Uh, th- this seemed like, yeah, there's really not a way out, but if he wants to hang around and ride the bench. Well, he would have had to get back fast in order to put himself in position to play. You couldn't let the hold out. If that's, well, let's, let's be clear on something. Matt Rule said the ball was in Farmer's court. That's, what he, that's the way he termed it. But what was the exit plan? What, what was the exit to get back onto the field like what did he have to do exit the doghouse you mean yeah what was the road out of the doghouse mm-hmm. was there a true road back to the two uh, it makes you wonder i mean don't you also wonder rob if he was just if if miles farmer was just looking for a place to land potentially um you know what, what i found interesting was when rule announced the suspension on monday you know he talked about how it was just little simple things that Miles Farmer wasn't doing. And this is one of your veteran players, one of your most established members of that entire defense. And when you're having those types of issues with a guy like that, you almost wonder if it's it's too late or if, or yeah. if there's you know a point where that bridge wasn't even, like there was really no intention of mending that, that bridge where it would have been, Miles would have had to do a lot in order to get back into the good graces. So, um, you know, I think it, it's surprising in the sense with how quickly this all happened for me at least, where, you know, he's not there on fan day. There's rumors on our, our message board that he cleared out his locker. And then a couple of days later, he's suspended. A day two later after that, he's in the transfer portal. That, just how quickly it happens from, from our vantage point. But I get the sense that this was something that had been building for a long time. Well, Probably think, going back to the spring with, yeah. you know, his DUI situation. You know, I think that that already put him on kind of shaky ground. And then it got to the point where Nebraska wanted him to check these boxes of, you know, things that would show his commitment to doing things their way. Well, you know what we didn't probably talk about enough was he didn't start the spring game. Right. And he played corner, if I'm not mistaken. I think he played corner, and he wasn't a starter. I got two questions for you guys. Did Miles Farmer, you think, run 20 miles per hour faster? Yes or no? No. I'm sorry. If I had to guess, I would say no. Is, is Miles Farmer a 20 mile per hour runner? No, 
No. Well, that's what they want on the back end. Yeah, he's Is not. Nile Farmer's a fundamentally sure tackler. Well, he got better that area. He, he improved. He improved. But I, I think there were things there that they were willing to make concessions on this situation. Like, this is almost one where, like, hey, we're going to make a statement on this one. Yeah. You know, Anthony Grant, they kind of made a statement, but he had a path back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there was necessarily a clear path. I, I'm more curious now, can he get a waiver to be eligible? Like, what is the road to the waiver now? Because of this, yeah. because it is past the transfer portal deadline. Does he have his degree? I mean, there's so many things because there will be, trust me, there, there are teams that would take him oh, right yeah. now. Yeah, I can tell you, I know one power five coach I know said we would take him right now. Well, wouldn't Fisher take him at Syracuse? Sarah, yeah. I, and I can tell you a Pac-12 coach I talked to, the connection there, said they would be interested in him right now, too. Yeah, I mean, he's not, he's not, listen. He, he was a good player. He, he's not super fast. His change of directions not great, but he's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was a productive. I mean, seventy three tackles that, last year. Yeah, that's a second leading tackler on the team last year. He was. I mean, that's that's my answer to the your. He got better as a tackler. Now they had to kind of define his role is what mm-hmm. it came down to. Bush has talked about that. That after he took over, they kind of. Add, they added definition to Miles Farmer's role, and he flourished, and he became a leader on the defense. I mean, I don't. I'm, we're not going to do this thing, Sean. We get accused of kicking people out the door a little bit. Um, well, I'm not doing that with Farmer. I mean, yeah, he had some limitations, but did he they got, want? Did this staff though want him in that role? That's the I question. Don't know. Do they I, want their? They want good players. And you, but you've heard Rule kind of say they want their own guys here. Mm-hmm. They want good players though just seems like a calculated move in a lot of ways where nebraska drew a line in the sand with farmer and you know they're at a position where if for whatever reason it didn't go well they have other options at that safety spot they have guys that have started games they do but now this is rob buford's out marquise Mm -hmm. farmer's gone the safety position now looks quite a bit different oh yeah no doubt i mean and i i can't even tell you who will be the safeties right now I mean, I know the I know the principles, but it's hard to say who's going to be mm-hmm. the starters. Mm-hmm. And Buford was going to be a starter. He's a, he's injured. Don't know when he'll be back. Farmer's gone. All right, we got to keep on format today because we're on affiliates, and I, I got a lot more I want to okay. get into Sorry, the headlines. Um, Pac-12, you know, in influx right now. Dan Wetzel of Yahoo reports that um, that Oregon, Washington, and maybe even Cal and Stanford now on the radar for the Pac or the Big Tw- Big Ten. Council of Chancellors and Presidents, and they're meeting to discuss preliminary about adding these teams to the Big Ten. They're having preliminary. Getting it to 18, maybe 20. And I look at this, guys, in a lot of different ways, but you would essentially control all the major ports of the West Coast, Mm -hmm. Northern California, Southern California, and the Pacific Northwest. Um, That's it. Game over. War over. You can control all three major ports of the West. Do they want that, though? That's what we don't know. Yeah, and the Washington, Oregon, those, those names have been thrown around for a long time now. So they seem like the most likely by far. But you got to wonder if they if they're going to twenty, do they focus more on a just West Coast takeover, like you were talking about, Sean, or do they try to branch out east more with some of those ACC teams that have been thrown out there with Florida State, Clemson, Virginia, Georgia Tech, those those types. So. We'll, I'm curious to see, like, I think they're going to get at least two. That was in a chat. Like, how many teams from the Pac-12 do you think? I think we all agree at least two. Probably more two? when all of a sudden. I think it's going to be Washington, Oregon. They make the most sense. 
mainly because there's just less red tape around those teams. I feel like when you start getting into Cal and Stanford and yes. just all the – I mean, they're the, they're the smart people. They think they know more. I mean, those you get those schools involved. And, Easy. And, and it just I, – I just don't see that a good – I don't know. I mean, and their commitment to sports. That's, that's it. That's the thing. Okay, so you got you're going to bring Cal in and you're going to bring Stanford in. And you're gonna Nebraska's gonna go out and play Stanford in front of thirty thousand people, and fifteen to seventeen thousand of them will be Nebraska. The reason, part of the reason, the Pac-12 is in this fix. Well, I, I mean, I almost now I almost talk about the Pac-12 in past tense mm-hmm. now. Part of the reason it's disintegrating is because of schools like Stanford and Cal. They can't present to the media network, the networks, eyeballs. Oh. They don't have enough eyeballs. Oh. There's too many schools out there that don't give a damn. I mean, you're not going to find that in a Big Ten. But So why reel a school like Cal mm-hmm. that doesn't care about football that much into your – and they're not any good at basketball. They're not that good. Stanford, okay. What, what, okay, what do they bring? Prestige, they bring? academic. Prestige, prestige and academics. Oh, who gives a damn? Well, Big Ten. At yeah. least they say they do. Yeah, they, kind of, they do. But well, – what? I get it. I think that's an old argument. I think that's a 2014 argument. Now it's about eyeballs and, and TV. And we yeah. know Oregon and Washington have fans because we've been to games, and those stadiums rock. Yeah. I mean, they're awesome places to watch football. Oh, yeah. Oregon. Husky Stadium. Sweet. Oh, yeah. Oregon, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Autzen was great. Mm-hmm. Autzen Stadium was great. That's a great place. But to me, I would selfishly want them to expand east. I would like Florida State. Would be Florida awesome. State, Miami, Clemson, North Carolina. Yes. I just don't understand why Florida State and Clemson aren't eyeing the SEC, or is the SEC not eyeing them? I don't know. Well, the politics in Florida, the University of Florida, probably doesn't want Florida State in their league. Does the University of South Carolina want Clemson in their league? Clemson's ninety minutes from Atlanta. It's just it's SEC country, right? But is it oversaturated at that point? Do they maybe like? I think in those states, South Carolina and Florida view themselves as like the higher institution over Clemson and Florida State, if that makes sense. How would you feel about Florida State and Clemson in the Big Ten? Well, my other Same thing as is, I do USC and UCLA. Good. Then you feel good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird, but I think it's inevitable. And I think getting footprints with those types of programs do a whole lot more for you than Cal and Stanford. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's just my take. All right, guys, when we come back, uh, we're going to delve into some more fall camp. We'll talk offensive storylines next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett taking you through fall camp for Nebraska. And before we get into some more discussion about the offense in fall camp, uh, let's welcome in our newest sponsor to the Husker Online Show, Caldera Lab. Um, it is a facial regiment, guys, and um, you know it's a great product. I've been able to use it now for the last few weeks. Uh, it's really simple. Uh, you put it on in the morning. You put it on at night. Put it underneath your eyes. Um, the product uh, will help you look younger, take care of your face. Uh, that's Caldera Lab. And right now at calderalab.com, uh, you can get 20% off all of their products by simply using the promo code HUSKER. That's Caldera Lab uh, for elite 
facial products uh, that you can use in the morning or right before you go to bed and it takes good care of your face. That's calderalab.com promo code Husker for a 20% off discount. All right, guys, uh, let's get into offensive discussion, but I want to, Robin uh, had one note here. Miles Farmer, Robin, is a graduate for Nebraska. So um, according to the rules, he is eligible to jump right into somewhere. Yeah, and as long as it isn't something egregious, which there's no indication that it is, and if it's just a falling out with your coaching staff, it seems like it's a pretty good no-brainer that he's going to land on his feet somewhere. So that will be something to watch how quickly it moves because I would think by the weekend, Miles Farmer is going to want to be somewhere. Like, this is not going to yeah. be a big courtship. He's against the clock here. In fact, I, I, I would imagine. He's got a spot. The feeler's already out there. Um, I, I bet he's got a spot. In, I bet he does. Because you don't go in the portal till you know. Usually. these. I guess it's a little different in this Well, situation. and there's money involved because of the collective. I mean, he's got a collective agreement with 1890. So you know, there's a lot of moving parts there for him financially. Um, and you want to make sure everything is set up securely before you leave. These discussions make me yearn for 1985. <laughs> I, mean, I just... I just it's, it's just gotten a little too weird for me. Okay, let's go offensive storylines. And I want to start on this. Uh, one thing I thought that really was unique about this fall camp is they're doing two practices. And they've never done it like this before. Somebody in our chat tried to say Mike Riley did. No, it, it was way different. That was during the spring, and they had two separate fields going at the same time. This is two completely separate practices mm -hmm. with the same coaches coaching both practices. It's not GAs and interns working the B practice. It's the frontline dudes working both practices, teaching and instructing, giving reps. Um, so every group gets about an hour and 45 minutes. Uh, that is the one advantage of fall camp. You're not bounded by that 20-hour rule. So you get unlimited time for these two weeks with the players in the dorms. Uh, for example, Chubba Purdy was in practice B on Monday, but then on Tuesday was practice A. Heinrich Harburg and Purdy were flipping practices. Um, so they're, they're doing a lot of things unique that we haven't seen here before. Not at Nebraska. They do this at other schools. Mm -hmm. Now the question will be how many practices are they going to do this? At least I, a week maybe? Yeah, I was going to say a handful. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know how long you extend it into camp. But it's done. I mean, like Bill Bush mentioned, Willie Taggart. Well, that's, um, that's who – uh, Matt Rule said the idea came from. Okay, so yeah, maybe I'm mixing, maybe I'm mixing up Rule and Bush, but whatever. It, it's done elsewhere. It is really, and and Rule mentioned this. It's taxing for the coaching staff yeah. because it's two practices. That would be my concern. Is you know you're already making your entire coaching staff sleep in college dorm rooms right now, and now they have to coach two full practices each day. I mean, it's a lot. We, you know, that's the thing though. These guys knew what they were getting themselves into under Matt Rule. Like they know what he's all about and how much he demands of his staff. But uh, you know, I'm sure they're ready for camp to wrap up well, just to just to get some sleep. We heard that when Rule. I mean, as early as when Rule's name was being bandied about for the job, there were guys telling us, ah, "Rule is a good coach. Rule is it's a challenge to work for him." He's the demanding. reason he's got a lot of young guys. Yeah. A lot of young guys with energy. Yeah. Somebody I know that <laughs> played for Rule said that he referred to him. He's the judge, the jury, and the executor. I mean, he. I mean, he's 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 uh, It's his deal. I mean, he's yeah. in charge of this program and all yeah, elements. He has that. He has that way about him, and you, and you definitely get that distinct feel, just in our dealings with him. Mm -hmm. He's very good though on the camera. Like when he comes up to talk to the press, 
you know, like Bo, when he was having a bad day, we got his bad day. When Scott Frost was you knew it right away. pissy, he'd come to the mic, not oh, in a great mood. Lord on his sleeve. Mike Riley was like talking to your grandpa. I mean, it was great, but yeah, Riley hardly ever. You know, Riley's one of those guys that just doesn't doesn't seem to have bad days. No, yeah. my favorite thing is like he like Thursday practices. I remember it was like pulling teeth trying to get an injury update from Bo, and then Riley shows up. All right, guys, you uh, want a list of the injured players today? And then okay. he'd ask, and then you'd have yeah. a sheet of paper with like everybody. Did I miss? Yeah, he'd ask like Sean, "Hey, did I miss anybody?" <laughs> yeah. That was beautiful yeah. for the gambling report. <laughs> Yeah, you set your bets accordingly. Yeah, uh, that and so yeah, the post practice is kind of back to being um, it's beautiful for us. The post practice media guy. He doesn't volunteer a lot of stuff I've noticed, but if you ask him about it, he'll tell you. Like a lot of times, he's like, "Well, who do you want to know about?" And so, you know, if you say, "Are there any injuries?" He might not give you all of them, but if you say, "Is so and so out or whatever?" Then he'll tell you. Well, so, like he was annoyed at Fan Day. I think that reporters took the liberty to he was annoyed. kind of do a head count. Yeah, that's not – you're not speculating. He was annoyed. And and But he said it without being a jerk. But he yeah. said, like, hey, I know you guys have a job to do, and I respect that. And I was kind of hoping this could wait until today. Yeah, he was well, annoyed, though. Welcome to Nebraska. But that, that that's <laughs> nickel corner media. I mean, the Nebraska, we care about every little detail here. Who the nickel corner is, who the dime corner is, who the peso corner is. Who's the is, rover? Who's the rover? Who's the jack? God, I mean, that's a big mystery in this room. Super, what was last? The super back. Wide back. The wide back. Wide I mean, back. Ramir Johnson wide People back. wrote extensive 3,000-word features on a position that we never even got to solve. I mean, but that's Nebraska. <laughs> it is, and it's not going away. So, uh, Oh, if they start winning, it's going to uh, Yeah, intensify. it's only going to get worse. Yeah, yeah, intensify is a good word. Well, as we talk offensive storylines week one, I, I'll bring this up too. How about the player look? I mean, especially the linemen. I mean, the, the, you think the guys look leaner up front on those lines? Oh, God. I mean, the, the two in particular, well, not just, I don't, I don't want to sing out too, but man, Teddy and Ben Hart. We talked about Ben Hart a lot. Like, they just don't have stomachs now. Mm-hmm. Their stomachs are gone, they're chiseled. Getting into Teddy, light, light and Mirtha territory. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Murtha he had a six for the pack. uninitiated was one of the best looking linemen from a physical standpoint that you'll ever see. Well, he ran the fastest forty in the combine. He had the record for O lineman time. It was like a four seven, right, yeah. Robin? Just a free. Yeah, I don't think Teddy's ready to do that, but but Teddy does is noticeably slimmer. I, I just noticed Nordine Noeli, same way. He looks great. I mean, they just look they look tremendous. Now uh, and I will, we'll see how it translates. Let's but see how man. that looks on November 18th in Madison at 7 o'clock at night. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But anyway, they – yeah. And then the offense discussion, too, is that, that Chubba-Harburg discussion. Right away, you notice that Harburg was with the twos on Monday. But then they flipped it on Tuesday. Flipped mm-hmm. it on Tuesday. Yeah. So that's that, the way to do it. That's an important thing with this split practice thing is, you know, just because somebody's with the quote-unquote top group – on one day doesn't mean they're going to be there the next practice. So right. one thing you got to keep in mind as we go through camp and they go through this, that don't put too much stock into who is in what group, just because they're, they're flipping it around to give other, as many guys reps as possible. It's tricky. It's tricky. Cause sometimes it is meaningful. I mean, mm-hmm. it is. Sometimes you see like a grouping and it, you, you see a one, two, three, and that is, that's what it is. It's one, two, three. Now some other times though, like this, I guess like in this case with Purdy and Harburg, it didn't. It did, I guess it didn't mean as much as I thought it did initially. Yeah, initially you're like, whoa, right? Chubba Purdy with the 
B group, and then all of a sudden on Tuesdays with the A. Well, you need quarterbacks for the other practice, too. So, I mean, you can't put all of them in one group. You know? right. And it's beneficial maybe to give Malachi Coleman and other pra- – like, what about like a guy like Malachi Coleman? When will he will he get brought up to the A group or will he stay? Oh, God, like, I'd be shocked if he didn't. Yeah. If I, he hasn't already. Right. I mean, Malachi, if you start looking at it, which, again, chat, our live chat today, somebody asked about who would be the – Five, six or seven. Top five, six, seven receivers. If you get to looking at hey, I think Malachi will be in that conversation. It's where the Bullocks and the Hans and those guys. We yeah. don't really know where those guys those factor. Veteran walk-ons. I think there's four defined scholarship guys. Marcus Washington, Isaiah Garcia, Castaneda, Billy Kemp, and Xavier Betts. Those are the four that put those in right now. Mm-hmm. Then it's two, three. The next two or three, that's where the debate is, whether those walk-ons, maybe Jaden Doss. Or maybe... Maybe Jaylen the kid Lloyd. from West Side, right? I mean, Sims talked about him, Jalen Lloyd. Lloyd. Jalen Lloyd. Um, There's seven scholarship freshman wide receivers. Right, so who can, can somebody crack crack that group? I would say Malachi's got a great chance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fleeks, Joshua Fleeks, you thought, yeah. but he reported significantly overweight and is now not practicing. Nope. All right, when we come back, we're going to shift the discussion. I do want to talk about Josh Martin and that transition at tight end, Coach, but we'll hit defensive storylines next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sippel, Robin Washa. Before I get into some defensive storylines here in fall camp, guys, uh, I did want to circle back to the Bob Wager resignation, Josh Martin transition, uh, because the the page turned pretty quickly. I mean, the Bob Weger era, basically the book closed in a weekend on him, and all of a sudden the Josh Martin era began on Monday. Yeah, but they have a they have a guy in Martin who's, I mean, he was coaching tight ends. He at technically SMU. has more experience than Bob Weger. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, not he's, technically, he does. <laughs> yeah, he's coached. He's coached full time. He's coached full time at both ASU and SMU. It's a pretty seamless transition, really. It is. Yeah, and Rule said this is one of the things he likes to do is with those analyst positions, kind of have guys, like he said, waiting in the wings a little bit to where, I mean, maybe not just a situation like this, but if a coach moves on in an offseason, you have someone already within your program ready to take over. So I think you're going to get used to that where these analyst roles, you keep an eye on them because those are guys that could eventually be full-time assistants. Like Christian Ellsworth, the, the Grand Island Northwest product that played his college football at Northern Iowa, he was with he was at Kansas State with Colin Klein. He was at South Carolina with Marcus Satterfield. Came to Nebraska with Rule. That's a, a rising young guy on the staff to watch. And and they mentioned him. He was more responsible in the recruitment of Carter Nelson than Bob Wager was because of his connection to Central Nebraska. I and mean, he wasn't um, you know he had a connection you know better connection to Ainsworth than Bob Wager would have. So you know that's a young guy to watch. But yeah, it is impressive to see. Um, how the staff has been put together where they could just kind of pivot that quickly where you don't even feel like it's a downgrade. No, I mean, there's other benefits too. Josh Martin was this, a special teams analyst, so he couldn't technically verbally coach. Now he's a full-time coach, tight ends coach, on the field. He can still help with special teams mm-hmm. and verbalize his coaching and you know be hands-on is what, is, is what I'm saying. So that's a benefit. Now you gotta you gotta find a, a special teams analyst to replace him. So, but rule 
didn't seem too uh, concerned about that. Yeah, his Rolodex is big enough. He'll find somebody. All right, let's talk defensive storylines <laughs> early on. 1985. Um, in fall camp. Um, we talked to Tony White and a number of defensive players, Terrence Knighton as well. Um, and, again, we talked about the body mass of the, the D-line, O-line. I, I think we could say the same, like Nash Hutmacher, Blaze Gunnarsson, um, Ruquan Buckley. I mean, these guys, looked, they looked the part. And, you know, I think we have this discussion probably every August we cover Nebraska football. Man, these guys look good. Yeah. I mean, they've been lifting all summer. Yeah. They better eat, look good. Eating like salmon and chicken all summer, <laughs> I, I, you would hope. All right. Right. And so you, you take it for what it is, but it is notable. I mean, I'll use Blaze Gunnarsson as an example. Like, he said he showed up at Nebraska as a freshman at 251 pounds and said a lot of that was bad weight to where, you know, his, his body fat was probably higher than it needed to be and he just, just wasn't ready physically to be the Big Ten defensive lineman. Well, now he's 265, and you look at him, there's not much fat on no, that frame. Seen. So the reshaping of that body where you're not necessarily putting on a bunch of weight, but you're redistributing it to where you're, it's it's lean muscle, and you guys are in good shape cardio-wise to where they can stay on the field. They're not just these big, bulky weight room warriors, which they've had a lot of those over the years. Nash Hutmacher was one of those guys. He was one of those guys that was squatting 700 pounds, but he couldn't move. Mm -hmm. Well, now his mobility is the best it's probably ever been in his life, mm -hmm. is what he said. And yeah. so that's going to lead to him, with his better conditioning, with his better mobility, being able to stay on the field. So those are the types of things. Ruquan Buckley is another guy who came in, just the body just didn't quite look a year ago the way it does now. And so uh, you got to preface it. We'll see what that translates when the games actually start counting. But as far as where they are as a team right now, those types of things I think you can you can note as uh, progress under this administration so far. Absolutely. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk defensive storylines in fall camp. And um, we hit on this earlier uh, with Miles Far Farmer's departure. I think as we try to put this puzzle together, and we got this question a lot this week, like what is your projected starting defense let, let's go down the line. D-line right now, when I watched the group, it was Ty Robinson, Nash Hutmacher, Blaze Gunnarsson. Those were the first three guys in line. I mean, any objections? Do you see anybody else if you had to project for your three down line? I mean, the only other ones would be the freshmen. Or Elijah Judy. Len Hart and Uman Mielin. Oh, Judy, though. Judy. Yeah, now, hold on now. I, that's a no, I, I guess now that you mention it, I am surprised Judy's not in there. Well, Ty Robinson was out for the spring. And he started in that spot. Now, Ty Robinson's back. So you can't play Judy on an end? So it's, I think you could, actually. It's, if you can play Robinson on an end, you can yeah. play Judy on an end. Yeah. But they're going to play a lot of guys. That's the thing. That's the thing. Right. Now, I'd, I'll just say this. I'd be a little surprised if against Minnesota, that line that you said would be the line. I, I think I'd replace – I'd put Judy in front of Gunners. Okay. Robinson and Nash, though, are – I think so. I mean, Robinson, I got to think, is a starter. He's probably the only one I'm confident saying yeah. is 100%. Yeah, me too. Okay. That's, uh, that, yeah, thank you. for Linebackers, there's probably two that are 100%. Luke Reimer, MJ Sherman. Yes. yes. Then after that, let the debate to be begin. Jamari Butler, Nick Henrich, um, now, John Bullock. Butler's playing the same spot as Sherman. Well, yeah, let's, that let's back that up. Jack let's position. back up. It's not – you're making it too difficult. There's three – Based between the middle and the will, there's three guys you're talking about, and I'd put them in order: Reimer, Henrik, Bullock. Okay, those are those. Are, that's the Mike and the Will. Then you got the Jack, 
and that is a that's four guys. Mm-hmm. That would be probably Sherman, Sherman Butler, Borders, Borders, Jamari Butler, and Maverick Noonan. Noonan, yes. So, really, I think there's three guys in that middle will discussion, and I don't know how that'll shake out. Except Reimer's going to be a starter. Reimer and Sherman will start. Yeah, yeah. and then it, yeah. It's just a matter of Bullock can push Henrich is basically mm-hmm. where. And then where how, where's the Jack? Where, well, they, how often they? And how, my question with Henrich be on the field, is foot you know, speed. Does he have the speed? Who's that? Henrich. Nick Henrich. You know, because we kind of heard rules say we had too many linebackers probably on this roster that ran four seven plus. You know, do they have? That's where Bullock has an edge, but Henrich has the edge up here, and he has the edge maybe physically. Yeah, he's got a big heart, too. I mean, he's right in the mix. He was a captain last year. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough call. He's got a big bulky brace, too, on his knee, um, which he doesn't like. But those are the three. I mean, he'll be, he's, in the, he's in that picture. I, now, can Bullock prove himself? Yeah, that's the wild card. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's what you're looking at. That, to me, is a big question. Can Bullock really play at the level of right. Henrik? Or was Mike? he just a feel-good spring story? Right. We'll see. Now, Eric Fields, back in the secondary now, Eric Fields went from linebacker to rover. Now, did that mean he was practicing with that A group? We don't know that. Don't know that. Um, I would guess not. They really weren't given too many freshman opportunities. But that secondary, you know, we would assume that Newsom and Hartzog are, are locked in. Gifford's probably locked in. Collier, Collier appears to be locked in. But then after that, it's kind of a wild card. Well, again, it's we're really foggy on the rover. I mean, yeah, it, Corner, corner. It looks like it'd be Hartzog Newman. Safeties, between safety and rover, it's really hard to know who's playing what right now. So yeah, it's tough. I, the safety discussion's gotten really interesting to me because you've removed Buford and Farmer. Mm-hmm. I'm Buford because of injury. Farmer because he's gone. Now, I remember Isaac Gifford played safety, conventional Started. safety against Iowa. Started. Yes. And, and, and was good. He played a good – he had a good game. So Gifford could be one of your safeties if he's not the rover. I don't know who you plug in at rover. I, I, I know you, people hate it when we do this. We just don't know. There are yeah. two practices in. There's guys moving all over the place. It's hard to say who's going to be where. All right, when we come back, we're going to move over to the mailbag. We'll take your questions. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Steve Sipple, Robin Washett, Abby Barmore not with us today because she's in Chicago doing an outstanding job, by the way, covering Big Ten Media Days for volleyball. Um, Catch all her coverage on Husker Online, also all the videos on the YouTube channel. But before we get into our mailbag discussion, this segment of the mailbag, Stephen M. Sipple, is brought to you by... Oh, we're going to say Larson Motors. Here's the deal, Sean. If you're looking for a new vehicle, go for a new experience at Larson Motors in Nebraska City. Yes, Nebraska City. Larson Motors is one of the Midwest's only dealerships with all the major brands in one location. Finding your new Chevrolet, GMC, Hummer, Ford, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, or Ram has never been easier. Start your new experience today at LarsonMotorGroup.com. That is LarsonMotorGroup.com or at Larson Motors in the, in the town of Nebraska City. Larson Motors, real people, real deals. 
All right, guys, I'm going to do my best to do Abby here today or play Abby today. Uh, I'm not going to do a great job, but as we know, Abby is outstanding. Uh, but we've got a full mailbag of questions. Um, first question, what are your thoughts on the nationwide approach to conference realignment that we've seen recently? How will this affect college football positively or negatively as we now move from regional conference matchups to more national? Well, I mean, I, I just, I'd start by saying I kind of admire the SEC because they, it is more together. It's more regional in nature. I don't know why I like that. Maybe it's just because I'm, you know, because I'm older and I came up and, and that's how I thought of conferences. That's how I thought of college football, that it was a regional discussion. Seems like a lot's just getting thrown out the window now. Um, I, I really, the thought of the Big Ten just becoming a, Coast to Adding coast Florida State and Clemson, it just doesn't. And Washington and Oregon. <laughs> it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me, except we've been told this for a few years now that we're just going to huge national conferences. Yeah, I think inevitably it'll be two super conferences. Yeah. The, what is yeah. now the SEC and what That's is what now the Big at. Ten. And you're looking at 20-plus teams easily, probably more so when all is said and done. And you eventually formulate – your own playoff system within those. So college football, college athletics, the way you've known it and have always known it are not going to last very much longer. I think the times have changed significantly. And once that door was opened for conference realignment and super conference building, there was no turning back. How do and you it's only going to continue. Like how do you have a 20 team conference basketball tournament? Yeah. I mean, the, the logistics, the logistics of Florida state having to play a road game at Oregon you know, like, give me a break. Like, what are we doing here? So, like... Well, thank you for saying It's that. like flying to Ireland from New York. Like, it, it makes no sense except for one reason. And, unfortunately, it's the only reason that matters, and it's money and the TV networks. The networks ru are running this discussion. They're the only ones making the decisions. It's the here. NFL. Yeah. I mean, in the NFL, like, teams will travel a day early for road games. On, like, those, like, they'll leave... If you're playing Sunday, you, you might leave on Thursday or Friday, right, Robin? For yeah. Now those guys, there's something that they don't have to deal with that these people do. There's class. Yeah. The idea that these are student athletes, like, we'll see how long they continue to hold on to that. Like, just make them semi-pro players yeah, we sound at like this old point. Men here, but... Okay, I well, mean, like, you're, you're, you're basically going to keep these kids from missing, or they're, they're going to miss the majority of a semester because of travel for their sports. That's in the benefit of a student athlete. Give me a no. break. What sports are we talking about Give here, me Robin? Basketball. I mean, you're going to play. Yeah, that's the one, though, right? Yeah, basketball, baseball, I guess. I well, mean, I think you'd have to create a travel partner schedule where you're on the road for a Thursday, Saturday. Yeah. Okay. With no. football, it's easier to manage because there's less games. But when you're talking about playing at least 20 league games, probably more if you add more teams, I mean, just the amount of travel. It's a lot. It's but now on the bright side. There is a real bright side, actually. I mean, and the bright side is Nebraska-USC Nebraska, in the regular season, Ohio State-USC in the regular season, Michigan going to Los Angeles for a regular season game, Nebraska playing Clemson, Nebraska playing Florida State. But the big boys, the big boys, Michigan playing Florida State in a regular season game, playing Clemson. It's exciting. You have to say that. It's really exciting. Yeah. Right. And there's no going back. So might as well embrace. I mean, you almost would have to go to a 10 game conference schedule at some point if everybody was on the same <laughs> yeah. page. Because yeah. like, why not? Yeah. You got no, them all in 100. the same money pot. Yeah. Split the money. Make yeah, it's exciting. I mean, I think Nebraska fans would probably be excited. 
mean, you got to play Oregon now all the time. You got to play Washington. You're going out there. They're coming to your place. It's there won't fun. be a Power Five anymore. I mean, it's really no. going to be these two leagues, and, and the Big Twelve is going to be a quality yeah. option too. I mean, oh, absolutely. Like they're just not going to have the prestige and the money of these elites, but they're still going to play good football and sports in the in the Big Twelve. There we go. They're going to. I mean, they're hooked in the Big Twelve. You always got to remember it's hooked in with ESPN and Fox at a high level. That's what they got. They jumped ahead of the Pac-12. You give the Big 12 a lot of credit for jumping ahead Over of the Pac-12 in the negotiation pecking order. How the Pac-12 let that happen is beyond me. Yeah, the Big 12 was on its deathbed for a while. Yeah. And now all of a sudden, jumped they're, they're going to be the ones that survive. Yep. All right, I want to ask this question. What have been your biggest takeaways from Matt Rule's first week of fall camp and how he's approaching a camp? And, and let's talk about the team living in the dorm and, and just this kind of camp rule, so to speak, that's been formed in the Selleck uh, dorm building there on campus. Well, it's a huge takeaway because we've never seen that. It's never been done. Um, not in the modern not in the modern era. So, yeah, that's – it's it's funny too. You get mixed reactions on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you heard Turner Corcoran. Sean, I think Sean, you asked him how the, how's the twin bed treatment, and uh, <laughs> Turner Corcoran said terrible. <laughs> he said it's just one more thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ty Robinson wasn't a fan either. Oh, is that right? It's no coincidence that the biggest dudes on the team are having the least enjoyable experience. Could you have traveled with your own air mattress? Is my question. Like, I mean, <laughs> or would that, that would that be that kind of like? Um, Snooty to like yeah. pop your own. No, I don't know. It'd be like going into a a party and bringing your own food or something. <laughs> like, hey, I don't like your food. We're gonna eat our own food. You know, like it would, would that. I know JJ Watt during Hard Knocks, he would purchase his own mattress and he laid it out in an equipment shed. It was air conditioned in there, and he would take naps during the breaks on his own like bed mattress in the equipment shed. Then he would just let one of the equipment managers keep the mattress. He's obviously a really... That makes sense. This is about unity. It's about... Rule likes the, the idea of them feeling uncomfortable. He also likes the idea of them playing board games, um, doing things together that don't involve staring at your phone. Imagine mm-hmm. that. Imagine that. We're, we're, we're going to make you guys talk to each other. Yeah. You know, and be together for two weeks. I think it's... I, I mean, it makes a lot of sense no to me. No girlfriends. Right. No, you know, don't... He said don't... Come and tell me I go walk your dog. And hey, that that's in almost most of those guys, even these guys in the apartments, the NIL apartments, they all have dogs. Like that's a thing with all these student athletes. Um, they all get a dog, and the apartments now let you have dogs. So <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of people. There's taking, some logistics. There's some yeah. dogs that have to find some arrangements these two mm-hmm. weeks. Yeah, and I think really like all encompassing. This is another example of rule making this his program. Like he's doing things that Nebraska hasn't done. The split practices, Good the point. dorm life, all these things, suspending starting players for not meeting the standard. Like I think every one of these examples is rule putting his fingerprints all over Nebraska football right out of the gate. All right, story time. With the season approaching, what has been the most intense rowdy game that you've covered? And do you think Colorado will rival that? Um, for me, most rowdy I can ever remember, guys, was 2010 at Texas A&M That's what I was say. or 2011 at Wisconsin. Russell Wilson, night game, Madison, oh, that was opening game of the Big Ten. Yeah. I mean, if you inhaled that air, you, you probably blew over the legal limit of alcohol. <laughs> it was scary. It was – oh, man. Yeah, it was intense. I got my first look. I remember 
walking to my car after the Wisconsin game, and all I could think of is these people are gigantic. I mean, it was being like being in Tijuana, but there's a bunch of blonde-haired, tall people around. They're they're much bigger than you. We used to work with Thor women. Trip. I, mean, I go, it was like a bunch of Thor trips walking around. <laughs> yeah, it was. Just, everybody was huge, and it was pretty daunting. Um, but no, Sean, you got it. Texas A&M was the rowdiest. So I didn't go to this game, but what about 2002 Penn State? Oh, that was rowdy. Yeah, that was. Oh, 100, 100. No, that was. I remember the the fans, Nebraska fans, talking about just how awful that experience was. It was rough. I mean, that there's not there's not many stadiums over the course of I, I'm going to say 27 years. I've gone to all the games except one that I felt sort of threatened. Um, but Missouri after Davis kicked that, caught that mm. ball. That was a th- like McKeever. I remember Kurt McKeever saying, "Simple, just walk forward. Don't look. Just just walk to the car. Don't look at anybody." And it was it was rough. Missouri was always kind of an under the radar. Ooh, rough. Like we rough were crowd. we were at Harpo's in college, and I was working the game, but my friends were down there, and I mean, guys got beers thrown on them in the bar. Yeah. I mean, Har- Missouri fans had kind of a spoiled brat arrogance, and they hated Nebraska and Penn State. For sure, in two thousand two, before that game, I, it, you felt sort of a hard edge, like an all NFL, around you, like an NFL type crowd yeah. almost. It was a yeah, it was a, and I'd never seen that stadium. It's a huge stadium and kind of an open area. It's set up. It looked really daunting. It was windy. I could see why Jamal Lord's eyes were huge in that game. I can. We're way, we're pretty far up in the press box, and I just remember always telling the guys, Jamal looked scared. And it was he should have been. It was his first, I think it was his first significant road start. And God, in that atmosphere, yeah, it was hard for him. Oh, no, it was. I could see it. Oh seven Missouri, um, the Thursday night game that they got beat on, they got killed. Oh seven Missouri. Pretty much what started the ball to get Steve Peterson fired. He was fired then I think the next week against Oklahoma State. But that atmosphere in Columbia on a Thursday night. Oh, it was wild. That was crazy. That it was another was. that's an under the radar one. But I would, 2011 A&M, or 2010 A&M, 2011 Wisconsin, then you O2 Penn State. Those are probably the three, Yeah, those right? give me – and when I think about that Missouri game before, it gives me the chills. Those are huge games. I mean, they were – and they felt big, you know. Yeah, like Fowler and Herb Street were yeah. the announcers at, at, you know, Missouri in 07. I mean, th- these were – That was huge. Don't forget about 03 Missouri, the Kellen Houston game. I'm sorry? Kellen Houston. That was a wild – he, he punched a guy, and he threw one of the best right hands you'll Just see. He dropped the guy. He dropped the guy. It was a, <laughs> you go look at that, and they were playing it on – the next day, they were playing it on CNN over and over. And all I could say, I was telling my, my Lori at the time, I was like, look at that punch. Mm-hmm. That guy has a serious right hand. I mean, that's a serious right Squared up. Oh, and that kid got paid out. Yes, he did. He did. Oh, he, right. I mean, he got paid. Find the best punch that guy he's, ever took. He's probably still living like a king off that punch. <laughs> oh, I don't he, know. Did he he, he might have made more money on that punch than Earl Spence did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, when we come back, we'll close the show with some more thoughts. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show final segment and did want to hit on some basketball and some other topics involving basketball and college athletics overall. But first, uh, let's get to Nebraska basketball, Robin. They're in Spain right now on their overseas trip, a very undermanned Fred Hoiberg team. Um, Give us an update from Spain. Well, they won their first game on Monday in overtime, which – is great, but the reality is they have now nine available players. 
that are even able to play in the game right now because of injuries, because of schedule conflicts with you know playing on national teams. And then on Wednesday, the news that broke where point guard Aaron Euless, the Iowa transfer, will not play in any of the exhibitions because of his uh, – connection to a criminal investigation from the Iowa division um, of criminal investigation about a gambling probe going on at Iowa and Iowa state. So details came on that where he placed um, around eight, 1800 bets for right around $35,000, uh, including several or many uh, before he was 21 years old. Um, the legal betting age in Iowa was 21, but the real issue is that at least one of the bets was on an Iowa sporting event, which, according to The Athletic, was an Iowa football game. Uh, and so that's where things start to get a little dicey, to where when you're betting on your own school per NCAA guidelines, you are subject to a potential permanent ban from NCAA competition, depending on the extent of your wagers placed. So uh, what does that mean for Nebraska? Well, yeah, he's not going to play in Spain. They have time before we're going to learn anything about his regular season status, but I think the issue is that Nebraska is not going to do anything until Iowa wraps up their investigation or this investigation with Iowa and Iowa State wraps up and there's precedent set as far as what those players are being charged with. So Nebraska is kind of stuck in wait and see mode right now to where they're going to continue to let Aaron practice, um, you know, and he'll be part of the team, will be around the team and all that. But they also have to prepare themselves for the likelihood that he won't be available, at least for the start of the season, pending this investigation. So it's a tough spot, especially this late in the calendar, uh, for a guy that was supposed to be one of your primary point guards, which is a position that was already really thin to begin with. So my guess is, uh, if he does miss any time, Jamarcus Lawrence will probably be your lead point guard. That's not his natural position, but he can do it. Uh, and then you're hoping that uh, Ramel Lloyd, uh, Kale Jacobson, Casey Tominaga, those types of guys can elevate and, and provide some depth at that spot. So just another instance where it's Nebraska basketball. Uh, if something can go wrong, it likely will. The, what's important, Sean and Rob, I mean, you got to – it's confusing to people, I think. When you say investigation, Iowa State's doing an investigation, Iowa's doing an investigation, yeah, they are. The NCA is, but this is a criminal matter. Yeah. I mean, this is the county attorney's office in Story County and Johnson County in Iowa. The county attorney's offices are, are – that's the investigation. This is like probably, stealing money in some ways. It, I it, guess, yeah. It, if you have but, insider knowledge or can affect an outcome of a thing that people make money on. Right. This is a, this is a criminal investigation. It's a, it's a aggravated misdemeanor that you're talking about. But that's – yeah. I, I mean, if I'm Aaron Euless, I'm not – I mean, I'm thinking about my liberty probably more than anything. Yeah, this situation, guys, with the gambling, we're learning how dangerous it really is. Like that, oh, yeah. that, yeah, I think when you bet with your local fraternity bookie or corner bookie back in the day before gambling was technically a little bit under the radar, yeah. when you bet when it's legal in states, there's a process that these, these bets – get logged and there's the ability for people to look into wagers and names and we're finding that out in Iowa and we're finding that with LSU baseball like if somebody puts a $10,000 wager in Ohio on an LSU baseball game they're going to look into why this guy did that bet there that didn't make any sense for sure. some guy in Ohio 
And then all of a sudden they investigate with an ethics committee. Why is this guy in Ohio betting 10 grand on an LSU baseball game? Now, to be clear with Euless, we're talking about an average of about $18 per bet. So it's not like he's placing massive amounts on this. And a lot, all the bets were placed through, uh, at least with the majority of these Iowa players, DraftKings and FanDuel. So, I mean, you're talking about just on your phone, through an app, placing legal bets. Well, and before he was 21, they were illegal. Oh. But bets through an app that roughly 20 bucks a pop. That's the thing. They're legal, but they're against NCAA rules. Right. So that's, that's where, like, the criminal aspect of it, I don't know. I mean, he's not betting on his own sport, or at least has not been charged no, with betting on his own what sport. What the charge is, those are tampering with records. It's not, it's not the gambling itself is the problem. It's tampering with records. He tried to wipe clean the... Whatever they do. I mean... Probably deleted his account. I think what Hunter Deckers did, the Iowa State quarterback, is tried to claim that somebody else was making the bets. It wasn't him. Yeah, he had a fake account according okay. with a, with an alias. Hunter Deckers? No, Aaron Euless. Oh, Aaron Euless. So, again, he probably had to have a fake account because he was bet when he was before 21. So he These couldn't say, reports. I'm Aaron Euless betting. I'm 19 years old. And These guys, are reports that just came out, so it's not we're not we don't have all the details right, right And now. guess who has more money now than ever before? College athletes because of NIL. So when you start giving these kids thousands of additional money that they don't really even they don't have bills. They get free housing already. They get cars. You know, they gotta pay for a cell phone bill, maybe. And f- they get their food at the university. So what do these kids spend their extra thousands of dollars on? Shoes. And gambling and things. Well, there's like, other things, but you're right, Sean. I mean, they have money. But for instance, that Iowa State wrestler, who's a good wrestler, Big 12 champion, he wagered $46,000. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a sizable chunk of money. Euless, 35000 That's. I know it's only 18 a bet, but 35 grand is 35 grand. Um, that's, that's pretty significant. Yeah. So, long story short, we'll see. What happens? But for the meantime, Nebraska's got some even more concerns with his point guard situation. All right, guys, lots to follow on Husker Online. We'll have full practice coverage over the weekend. Uh, follow Robin as well with the latest in Nebraska bas- basketball. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe to us here uh, on the Husker Online YouTube channel or anywhere you can find podcasts. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 